Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. Good morning, Jerry. How are you? I'm excellent, Mike. How are you? I would hope so, man. Your team is playing some really good, fun baseball. It's got to be pretty fun for you. I, it has been. I, I think the, you know, this is such a, a, it's a fun group in that they are so resilient. You know, every time you look away, they, they do something to, to tell you, hey, we're pretty good here. And there's a lot of underlying information to suggest that we, we have a good team here. And, and as we continue to get healthier over the course of the, the next few weeks, I, I think it's, it's going to be exciting to see what we can do with it. You know, it's funny. We've talked about this over the course of the year, what a fun group it is personality-wise. And when they were kind of going through their, you know, time of not playing their best, it was almost a little extra frustrating because there's some really, really great stories and guys that are easy to love when they're doing their thing and playing up to their ability. And it feels like we've gotten a chance to see some of that here over the last few weeks as guys have really looked more like the players everyone thought that they were. I think that's true. And, you know, and some of them, for, you know, for a group of guys who are in the midst of excellent seasons, that's been the case really since opening day. You know, for, for guys like Logan Gilbert or, you know, what Julio Rodriguez has done since roughly, you know, second, third week of April. You know, Gino Suarez has been a consistent run producer for us. Ty France and, and what he's done when he's been healthy and in our lineup. They're, you know, so many guys have contributed, but here over, you know, really starting about the first of June, the, the, the team really started to see, you know, the Robbie Ray took a big step forward in his last six or seven starts. And Marco Gonzalez has been Marco, you know, he's doing what Marco does. He goes out there and he chews up innings and he gives you a chance to win every night. And we're starting to see a little more of the 2021 version of, of Chris Flexen and the steadiness that he can bring. And, you know, with, with one small hiccup aside, I think George Kirby has been excellent. And our, and our pitching in total has just been phenomenal since late May, which is lost under the, the I guess, the, the struggles that we experienced mm-hmm. throughout June. We were, were really hid the fact that our pitching was quite good. So let, let's start, I want to kind of run through a few of those things, and we'll start with Julio because he's just such an absolute joy to watch in every conceivable way. Um, do you guys do projections on players? I, mean, I know you guys run a lot of numbers. Has he changed the way his own projections now look for the rest of this year? You know, I, I don't know that it really changes the projections. It's just in, in so many ways what he's doing or how he's doing it is the surprise. It's a, you know, we from a from a scouting perspective would have graded him out as you know what we call a seven or an eight level player 70 or an 80 player which is a you know superstar elite level player when fully developed and 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 i think that still rings true but he's doing it in different ways you know the 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 speed the defense and and some of the things that we didn't anticipate being elite level that that truly have been and and you know we always believed in the bat and the quality of his defense but not necessarily knowing that it was going to result in center field quality. And, and as you said, the, you know, the, the, the extras, the intangibles that Julio brings to the field are, uh, they're really unequal. He's, he brings so much joy and, and such a short memory, but still learns his lessons, which I think is a delicate balance. How hard do you think it is to put the ball into the third deck there in the Western Metal Supply Company building? 
I'm, I'm pretty sure I couldn't do it. <laughs> you know, and and I've watched a lot of games at, at Petco Park through the years, and I don't recall seeing anybody do it. So, you know, it's uh, he is just so strong, and you know, the, the combination of his of his physical strength, his exit velocities, you know, now he's growing into the the upside power that that all of us envisioned, including third parties, scouts from other clubs or publications. We all believe that the home run power would come. It's just, again, everything with Julio is coming so much sooner than, than you could have hoped. And, and this is, it's been so much fun to watch. Hey, so people have always said that for years, right? The power is the last thing that comes for, for great hitters. They learn power. They grow into power. Why is that? What is it that happens as a player has been around long enough that gets them more power? I don't think it really gets them more power. You know, if you look at Julio through his minor league progression, and this is true, I think, of most hitters as they come. Well, I, I should say that it, it's true of hitters who fit this category, which is the power comes late, which is more frequent than, than one might think. Julio was just a good hitter. I think mean, he was a 330 hitter thereabouts through his thousand minor league plate appearances and, or whatever it was. And, and, and he got on base at a, at a perfectly acceptable to above average clip. And the slug was still there. He just wasn't hitting, you know, gaudy home run totals, but it was doubles. It was triples. He was hitting his 10 or 12 homers, you know, and, and when you look up at the end of the year, you know, if the slug is in that 500 range, you're doing something right. And, and if you can be a good hitter first, once you get to the big leagues, it's all about comfort and pitch identification in my mind. And, you know, it's, it's being able to see the, the pitch, being able to spit on the breaking ball that you can't do much with, knowing which pitches you can lift and drive out of the ballpark. And Julio has the advantage of being able to drive the ball out of the ballpark from pole to pole. I mean, he, he has that type of power and, you know, that allows him to, to make those decisions a little later than a lot of players can or, or do. And, you know, which results in very high upside power potential. Uh, we were talking to, you mentioned uh, Julio's sort of projections in terms of the way you scouted him and the grade you put on him. What is, what is or was Cal Raleigh supposed to be as a major leaguer? I, honestly, I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that I feel like we kind of got this one right. <laughs> you know, what Cal's doing is is generally what we believed him capable of when he was coming through the system, which is, you know, good catch, good throw, excellent game caller. He's a, he's a good field manager, and and he has big power. He does a lot of damage in the middle of the lineup, and he'll take his walks. And, you know, I do think that, that you're looking at a, a batting average that's, I guess, unfairly going to be judged based on what he did for the first five, six weeks of the season. But we see more of what he's doing over the course of the last five weeks, six weeks, as the real Calrose. And I wouldn't anticipate that he's going to, to throw up 1,000 OPSs for, for extended periods of time, but it's possible with Cal. He has that kind of power and impact, and we're thrilled for where he is in his development. It's hard for me not to think about uh, Jorge Posada and Jason Veritek when I watch him. Just the switch hitting catcher takes a little bit longer for them to develop, maybe hits in the seven to eight spot in the order, but has the pop and, and maybe some of that captaincy type potential. You know, Could he be that kind of player? You know, I, I have to give credit to, you know, Cal is represented by Scott Boris. And when we drafted Cal, that was the comp for, for Cal was Jason Veritek, yeah. who, was, who was also a, a Boris Corps 
client. And, and when we did the final deal with Cal, he was one of the last signees of that class. And, and when we did that deal, Scott said to me, you're getting Jason Veritek here. And, you know, he, he might be right. It's a, he has that kind of, you know, total package, the switch hitter with power. And, and just like Veritek, you know, Jason played a long, long career. And, and he, was, he, he wasn't the guy that was going to come in the room and, and shock you with his voice. But he carried a lot of weight when he walked in there. And I think that's, you know, the, the full-grown version of Cal is proving to be that, that type of presence. As well. Unless it's changed in the last few years, I believe Veritek is the only player to win the uh, Little League World Series, College World Series, and the World Series. I think that's right. I heard that somewhere, and I, I don't know why I have that in the back of my head, but I believe you're right. <laughs> I know he did it. I don't know whether anyone else has done it, but I know he did it. So uh, like, if Cal just gets the third part right here, that would be uh, that would be just fine. Um, watching these guys over the last week or so since what happened in Anaheim, uh, I found myself talking yesterday about the concept of playing for each other instead of with each other. And, and I wonder if it's different for Dylan Moore to say, hey, it's not just that you're going to play short for a few days. You're going to play short because your brother is out for a few games for defending the honor of another teammate. Do you think guys can rise to that type of occasion in this sport? I do. And, you know, we talk all the time about incidents like that, that tend to, you know, be bonding agents for a team from time to time. And, and I can't tell you, you know, whether or not that was the case for our team, but I do know that our team has personalities that respond in the way that you just described. You know, they, they do step up for their teammate. They do go out and, uh, and defend. And I think that's, you know, that's as important to them as anything. And, and that's just an observation with this group over the last couple of years is, you know, they truly do care about one another. And, and this group really enjoys playing with one another. And, you know, it, it looks a lot better when you're winning games. But, you know, maybe the, the subtle, I guess, positive that, that has resulted from, you know, this downtime or these suspensions or even some of the injuries is, is the way we've seen some of our, our role players step up and become more than that. And it's, you know, and no one more so than Dylan Moore or Taylor Trammell. And, you know, some of the young guys that really took a step forward, you know, especially Cal Raleigh. And, and you know, that part of the season, the ins and outs of the season, makes it so much fun just to follow the storyline. You know, it seems like they're doing a great job, Jerry, of playing to their strengths, right? I mean, if I'm Sam Haggerty, I know he hit a home run the other day. But his strength is going to be running around, right? And so when you see him caught going a third on an aggressive play, is that a little bit more acceptable than it would have been under normal circumstances? Because you guys are sort of forced to to push the, the aggressiveness boundaries a little bit right now? You know, it is, but, you know, with guys like Sam Haggerty or Dylan Moore, uh, and, and I'll use those two guys, Julio Rodriguez, their examples, but especially with Hag and Dylan, they, they are excellent base runners. And part of the game, you know, their game, is the value that they bring is making a difference on the bases. And when you get thrown out on a bang-bang play, trying to advance the, the, the extra base, I, I think that's acceptable when that's part of your skill set. You know, the one that drives you crazy is you're down by four in the mm-hmm. seventh inning, and the guy who's not uh, bringing a lot to the game in value in terms of his base running gets thrown out by five feet trying to advance. <laughs> you know, those are the 
those are the ones that that stick with you a little bit. The, the the runners who get thrown out, you know, by by a nose trying to advance. I think that's just part of their game, and you have to live with the fact that occasionally the other team is going to make a good play on it. As you guys uh, get closer here to the deadline, we're a few weeks away. You and I have talked about it before. It's my, as a as a baseball fan, the trade deadline is my favorite day of the year. I love the whole concept of it of, of teams trying to figure out where they're at and whether or not they're going to try to improve their situation for the short term, the long term, the medium term. Medium term. Um, are you starting to get more of a sense as to which direction and and where you'd like to go by the deadline? Our direction really hasn't changed much. You know, I, I think, you know, first of all, the, the biggest impact that will happen for us between now and the deadline is getting Ty France back. It's getting Mitch Hanniger. It's getting Kyle Lewis. Those, those are the biggest additions that we can make. But we're always looking to be opportunistic. And, and however that plays out, and right now, as well as we've played over these last two weeks, three weeks, I think the, the the reality is you look at our team and every move you make or ponder making, you're going to have to displace one of the players on your roster. And, and as those injured players return, that becomes an increasingly more difficult decision to make. And And I think that, you know, if you look at our team, we're a little deeper and a little better than, than most people give us credit for. But there are ways we can improve. And and we still think that the same areas we were concerned with two weeks ago remain our, our areas where we'd like to to upgrade or, or juice the team a little bit if we could. And if those opportunities exist, we'll take a shot. So so let me run through some of that and, and follow up. You mentioned those three injured players and that you were hoping to get all back all of them back by uh, by the deadline at the end of the month. Let's start with Ty France. There have been some some rumors that he could be back sooner rather than later. Will we see him this weekend? Yes. Will we see him as soon as tonight? You very well should. That would be really fantastic and great news, obviously. Thank you. Uh what about uh what about Kyle Lewis? I know he's been doing some work. Uh, on a rehab assignment, could we see him shortly? You know, Kyle's going to take a little while longer, mostly because, and, and this one's a little bit more complex, you know, Kyle missed about a month uh, trying to resolve the concussion symptoms. And and as he comes back, you know, one of the, the things that did happen while he was gone was that Ty France was injured. And that prompted us to go out and acquire Carlos Santana. And now the combination of France and Santana, you know, we, we want to see Kyle play a little outfield before he comes back so that we can manage all of the, the, the bats in the line on the right days. And, and we feel like if Kyle can stand out in the outfield for a couple of days in a week, that that gives us that advantage. So, you know, it may not be uh, as quick as it would be if he were just coming back as a DH. But we do believe that, that, you know, during this rehab, I think he's excited for the opportunity to get back out there. He has looked great in his in his progression, especially the way he's running. Uh, it's, a, it's as exciting as, as, as I can remember uh, feeling about the way Kyle's running in the last couple of years. And, and uh, you know, hopefully he comes back as – you know, some contribution in the outfield, and and obviously he brings that bat with him because that's the the big attraction. And then anything new on on Mitch? You know, Mitch is making great progress. He's uh, hitting on the field every day. He's fully into his his baseball progression. You know, he too he's missed a long uh, stretch of games here. hasn't hasn't played in months. 
so it's going to take a while on rehab just for timing, you know, and and learning to trust the way your body responds and and bouncing back day to day. So I wouldn't imagine that it's going to happen too soon, but I I would also feel pretty confident in saying that we're optimistic that all three of those players should be in our lineup by the end of the month. Hey, so the other part on that is as you talk about depth, I've heard you mention that a few times. And by the way, that's great news and just already seeing some of the response here on the text, et cetera. People are really excited to see those guys back and especially Ty France if it's going to be as as soon as as this weekend or this evening. Um you mentioned depth and you guys have been really it's been incredible the health of your of your starting rotation. As you think about the second half of the year, let me start with George Kirby. At some point, is there a limit on what he'll be able to give you in the second half just due to where he is in his development? I, you know, I don't think so. We've talked a lot about this, and this dates back to you know spring training. And, and it's part of the reason why the start of his season, if you go look at his game logs from when he was in Arkansas, we did something with, with George very similar to, to well, really what we discussed with him in the spring, which is build him up in two- and three-inning increments. Don't exhaust his pitch counts. We don't want him to throw high-stretch pitches in, in April. Uh, largely because we wanted to save some of that for late in the season. And you know, we don't have a hard innings cap on George. We're going to let his, you know, his stress tell us the story. And, you know, right now he looks great. And, you know, we're, we will try to get off the gas a little bit, you know, in, in terms of deeper into the games as we get deeper into the season. But just like we saw with Logan last year, you know, George, George has gone through his, let's call it his, his peaks and his valleys, but his valleys are very shallow. <laughs> he bounces out of his valleys very quickly. And, and, you know, there's, there's really nothing about what he's doing to suggest that he's fatigued. And, and he's already at a, you know, roughly a career high in innings. And that's, they, we're going to let George and his body tell us what he's capable of. But, you know, right now everything's pointing toward it's, it's all working in the right direction. Hey, when we were uh, when we were kind of talking about this at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of depth in the starting rotation. Matt Brash was there. Kirby obviously was didn't didn't break camp with the team. Uh, then Brandon Williamson was traded. Where are you at depth wise right now? I mean, if if something were to happen at some point in the second half, is Levi Stout ready to go? Where are your options in terms of of uh, further depth in your rotation? You know, Levi's been a little inconsistent at Double A, and you know he'll he'll give you the great outing, and then you know one where he's not quite as as sharp, which is part of development. He too is is trying to develop that consistency, especially in taking the innings. Uh, we do have a couple of pitchers at the Triple A level with experience, in addition to Tommy Malone, who's down in our pen. We have Chris Mazza, who's you know now has major league experience for the last few years with Tampa we feel like can be a, a, a help in this case. We have Justice Sheffield, who's obviously taken many major league starts for us over time. You know, and, and with that group, you may not have a guy that, that immediately plugs in and becomes your fifth starter if somebody was to go down or, or need a break. But you know, it gives you at least a bridge to serve as, as you have an opener. Can you peel two of these guys together until you come up with a better solution? But I've, you know, I, I, I wish we had another guy that was as good as, as George or Logan. <laughs> we, we, we may or we may not. And the guy that we're really excited about what he's doing right now is, is Taylor Dollar in Arkansas, who's, who's pitched extraordinarily well this year. 
and is probably putting himself in position to be considered mm. if we need that extra guy. And you know, a trick here, if you don't mind me going on for one more second, Go for the, it. The, the the trick here is, you know, I, and I, I as we head into the trade deadline, and and I listen to you know the, the various uh, suggestions. You know, you need more pitching depth. Yeah, the thing is, when you go out and you acquire another starter, somebody has to leave the rotation, you know, or you have to disrupt the rhythm and throw a six-man rotation out there. And none of those things are are particularly popular. Right now, we have five starters that are throwing very, very well, and we we don't really want to displace any of them. So, you know, part of the challenge becomes how do we get better one through 13 and our pitching staff, you know, and, and augment what we think is already a very good pitching staff without disrupting what they're doing. Because what they're doing, it, frankly, is the reason why we are where we are, which is battling back from, from a pretty big hole. And, and, and they are the, the, they are the primary reason why we were able to do it so quickly. It's really been remarkable. I mean, I just every night the team is in it because of the starting pitching. And it feels like even when guys don't have their best stuff, I was at the game uh, on on Tuesday down in San Diego, and I didn't feel like Gilbert had his best stuff. But at the end of the night, or day rather, he'd given up, what, one earned run, two runs total, and given his team a really good opportunity to win. It's really been incredible to see. And I think that's what the really good pitchers in our league do. You know, it's, they give you a chance to win night after night. And and on the day when they have their stuff and they have their command, they, they dominate. And, and on the day where they don't, they have one of those things. They have their stuff. They have their command. Or they have their will. You know, and I, I again, I think that, that Marco is, is perhaps the greatest example of that. You know, he, on the day he doesn't have his stuff and his command's a little off, you know, he somehow has the ability to will himself into you know a competitive outing and and uh and, and we do see that trait in logan you know on the days where logan is missing one or two of those his focus his will is so great that he's able to push himself there and and uh and that's a that's a wonderful trait to have uh, that competitive jerry i could sit here and talk to you for at least the next half hour but i know you have other things to do and uh, we are unfortunately out of time but uh, it's been a lot of fun. Fun watching this team play great baseball. Looking forward to seeing Mariners fans get out to the park this weekend. Obviously, there'll be some Blue Jays fans around, so that should be a fun environment and uh, appreciate it. Thank you. We'll talk next week. All right, guys. Talk to you later.